time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky team, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. Stay tuned, because it's on now. The Tom Sumner Program. COVID-19 is the biggest health crisis in our lifetime. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals to stop it, but we need your help. Even if you don't feel sick, you could be carrying it. And just one person with the virus can infect another 40, who then infect thousands more. So I've issued an executive order requiring everyone to stay home to help limit the spread of the virus. Let's protect the people we love. Stay home and stay safe. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into Hour 2 of our three-hour tour. My guests this hour uh, have uh, written a book together. Um, They are an investigative journalist and award-winning author, coupled with a uh, former senior executive in academia and in technology, Jerry Spieler and Rick uh, Kaplowitz, I believe is how you pronounce it. Uh, the book is San Francisco Values, Common Ground for Getting uh, America Back on Track. And uh, they join me by phone. Jerry, Rick, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for having us. Good morning, Tom. Um, now, I, I'm going to go a little inside baseball here. I have a copy of the book. And when it was sent to me, it was accompanied by all kinds of things you need to know about Kamala Harris. Um, what what do uh, San Francisco values and, and Kamala Harris have uh, that, that makes them connected in this way? Well, she represents uh, a lot of, of what we believe in, and we think the country as well. Uh, she was an attorney general. She is now a senator for California. She believes in, you know, reducing costs for middle-class families, and she also really cares about uh, tr- uh, kids that are truants, interestingly enough, and she blames the parents. And what she wants to do, if the parents allow their kids to be truant, then something has to be done about the parents. And I think that's a very interesting approach. Well, and and I do as well. And I've always, uh, I've often thought that a lot of the problems that we have with education in public schools is the lack of parental involvement in uh, their children's education. But let's um, let's let's get into this San Francisco values. Um, what is it about San Francisco that makes you two believe that uh, that the country could really learn from that, their example? One part of it is that when we talk about basic San Francisco values, we're talking about American values. We think the, these basic values are the same across the country. Values like love of family, love of community, and love of country. 
some of times some of those values get expressed differently in different places, and we don't all agree all the time on how to reach those things. But it's the fundamental values that reach across the country. And then there are the extra pieces about San Francisco and the Silicon Valley in terms of how we move ahead on certain things. Uh, Jerry, uh, how did you and Rick decide um, that, that it was time for this book? Well, San Francisco values for a long time has been a pejorative. If you have San Francisco values, you're un-American, uh, you're, you're pro-illegal immigration, um, and we know that that isn't true across the board. Now, San Francisco has a large conservative community as well, I mean, you know, as large as the uh, liberal one. <laughs> I kid about the four Republicans in San Francisco, but there really are more than that. <laughs> but, you know, we, we looked at, like Rick said, love of family, love of country, love of community, that's universal, and we wanted we wanted to show that. I think we, we just wanted to hold up a mirror and and look at the rest of the country and look at San Francisco and say, hey, you know, we're not that different. We don't want hypocrisy. We don't want crime. What's the difference? And we wanted to reach out and show that, and we felt the book was a good way to do that. Yeah, when you talk about, uh, you know, San Francisco uh, in uh, being thought of uh, pejoratively, um, I, I, I didn't want to mention it, but, but I'm sure that both of you realize that a lot of people around the country think people from California are basically crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I grew up. <laughs> like, uh, first time I got out here and I said, maybe the different and maybe what, what happens out here is a little bit better as a way of coming at things. And one of the things that we are delighted to point out is how many things that start here gradually move across the country. They, they'll tend to develop out here, then they hit the East Coast, and then across the middle of the country slowly. And it may take five to ten years, but those values do permeate. Think of, of marriage equality as, as one example. Yeah, explain that. Marriage equality is the notion that people should be able to love and marry who they want. It's not an issue of gender. No, but it's where does San Francisco fit into that? Or were they um, one of the first areas to acknowledge that? Gavin Newsom was elected mayor of San Francisco in, I guess it was about 2004. Mm -hmm. And he, a, a month after he came into office, he said, we are going to issue marriage licenses to any couple that wants it. doesn't have to be a man and a woman. And uh, that started here in San Francisco. Uh, as you know, the Supreme Court, about uh, 11 years after that, said, yes, in fact, it's a national right. But in between, one of the things we did is we looked at, at the television programs and the movies, which were beginning to show same-sex couples and you look at American opinions, in, in 2004, two-thirds of the country did not favor being able to have same-sex marriage. In 2015, the numbers had switched. It went from being 64 and 30 against to being 60, uh, 60 against and 34 to the, just the opposite. 61% of the people said, yes, we support gay marriage, and uh, only 30% did not by it, 2015. It was a hard fight, and we had the Proposition 8, Rick, that people voted against, same-sex marriage, so it wasn't a slam dunk, that's for sure. Yeah, we went through a similar uh, back and forth in, in Michigan 
uh, going from uh, people voting largely um, uh, against supporting uh, gay marriage to um, one of the landmark cases in the uh, Supreme Court ruling, um, the DeBoer case, um, came from Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, and go ahead, Rick. The, the interesting thing, of course, on, on that case, as people will probably remember, is that the, the Supreme Court didn't have the case to decide that said, well, it's the right thing to do, or let's interpret this phrase in the Constitution. It was simply presented as a business case, and uh, one couple with the tax laws would when one died one member died the other person got three hundred thousand dollars less in inheritance than they would have had the couple been allowed to legally marry and it was on a business case that they went to the supreme court yeah and the the lawyer in that uh... in that case um, is now uh... michigan's attorney general Aha. Yep. Just a little trivia for you. Anyway, anyway, um, getting back to San Francisco values, um, as as I as I look through the book, I didn't see a lot of references uh, to Kamala Harris, um, other than a, a small a small section where she's included with uh, Nancy Pelosi and and a couple of others uh, politicians, well known politicians from the from the area but there are a lot of um other things that you talk about in the the san francisco values book um before we get back into that though i i've been dying to ask rick what what got him to move from brooklyn to uh silicon valley uh, I've, I've had a fortunate life i grew up in brooklyn it was new york city was a great place to grow up when i was there um and uh, then I lived in France for a couple of years and raised my kids in, in Massachusetts. But I had come out to San Francisco in 1967 and said, this is a, a, a wonderful place. It's not what we New Yorkers had thought of it as. It's an open, friendly place. They had opera in the park, and they sang it in English instead of in Italian. That felt very right to me. Uh, and Even being were, from Brooklyn? I'm sorry? Even being from Brooklyn, <laughs> it seemed right <laughs> not to sing it in Italian. Yeah, well, it's great. Part of part of what it is, part of the thing <laughs> out here that I really like is people have been accepted from all over the country and all over the world here. We go back to the gold oh, rush, yeah. and and people came from every place because of the gold rush. And San Franciscans began to work together from way back when we had this. Everybody knows the fire of 1906, mm -hmm. but there were six major fires in San Francisco in the years before that. And when you had these people from all over the world who didn't necessarily speak the same language, but they fought together to put the fires out and to rebuild the city. So people from a whole range of backgrounds began working together back then. And one of the San Francisco values that is so important to us is this. It's not only accepting differences, it's embracing differences. Um, what are some of the, uh, uh, Jerry, you touched on this for a moment, um, some of the common uh, misperceptions of San Francisco, one being that it's, uh, you know, somehow a... Uh, uh, LGBTQ sanctuary. Well, 
in terms of sanctuary cities, it, San Francisco is one of 50, but getting back to San Francisco, I think the success of San Francisco is, in, like Rick said, embracing differences, um, and also the success of Silicon Valley, which of course embraces San Francisco and the Bay Area, is allowing people of different cultures to come in and express themselves. I think, again, people do best when, when they feel they're respected. And just like in a job, you know, if, if people support you and, you know, embrace you, you're going to be the, the best you can be. And I think that's universal for anyone in, in the world. And I think that helps create an environment of acceptance and allowing people to succeed. And succeeding in life and succeeding in business is what makes a community great. And I think San Francisco embodies that. Uh, I think, you know, in some cases, Rick and I are saying about the same thing, but it, it, it you know, it transfers over. Um, I, I, that, that's what we see here, and that's why we think people do come here, because they can be who they want to be. Uh, in Massachusetts, they can do that as well, out loud and in public, as long as they don't talk about it in public. In San Francisco, you can be who you want to be and express it, and there's three support groups for you. Did you say three? <laughs> as, an, uh, as a possible yeah, number. Yeah, possible number. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure if you said three or free. Um, <laughs> three. Three support groups, yeah. <laughs> for basically everything you might need support for, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's limits, but in terms of, you know, if you're doing something against, against the law or against humanity, there are no support groups for you. Uh, that's for sure. I mean, we want to have good values. Like I said, we value our family, we value our community, and we value our country. Well, we have, you know, groups of people get together when they, when they have a common issue or problem, whether it's people who are hard of hearing or people who are autistic. Um, in, in San Francisco, the gay community came together in, in the late 60s, early 70s, and formed a political uh, block and got a whole bunch of legislation on the books that supported the gay community and, and embraced that. By the 80s, these people began to address issues that were much more than simply the gay community because they had become integrated into San Francisco. And then the, the Castro District, the gay area in particular, were involved with a range of issues in the city from schools to roads to everything else that, that everybody else gets involved with. Um, Jerry and Rick, I have to uh, go to a break here. Can you stand by for just, just a few minutes and, uh, and we'll talk some more? Happy to do it. Thank you. All right. My guests are uh, Jerry Spieler and Rick Kaplowitz, who are the authors of San Francisco Values, Common Ground for Getting America Back on Track, and we're going to uh, explore what, uh, some more of what that means when we return. If you're listening to us on WFOV 92.1 FM, Our Voices Radio in Flint, they are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House, Spectacle Productions, and my good friend Paul Herring. If you're streaming us at Tom's 
JeffSumnerProgram.com. Um, well, we're going we're gonna to let uh, our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in edgewise or do whatever they do when we go to break. But if you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll be back with more right after this. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Hi, I'm Dr. Jonay Caldoun. We know that COVID-19 is spreading rapidly across Michigan right now. The most important thing people can do to protect themselves is social distancing. That means unless you are a critical infrastructure worker or going out to get food or medicine for your home, you should be staying at home. Stay home, stay safe, save lives. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays at 11 for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. This is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. The marches, the beans, the draft card burnings, and best of all, the music. Well, now Apple House has collected the finest of those songs on one album called Golden Protest, performed by the original artist who made them famous. You're thrilled to Society's Child by Janicean, Pleasant Valley Sunday by the Monkees, What Have They Done to the Rain by the Searchers, In the Ghetto by Elvis Presley, Silent Night, 7 O'Clock News by Simon and Garfunkel, and who can ever forget this all-time classic... Yes, it's Barry Maguire's immortal Eve of Destruction. And, of course, my own Masters of War, all for the incredibly low price of $3.95. And if you order now, you'll also receive a treasury of acid rock featuring vanilla fudge, blue chair, frigid pink, Moby Grape, the electric prunes, Jeff's airplane, Lotharian hand people, to name but a few. Plus, as part of this special limited offer, you also get the best of the supergroups with Traffic, Cream, Blind Faith, Ginger Baker's Air Force, and many, many others. Yes, this is a collector's dream, cold in protest, plus two fabulous 60s albums, all for only $3.95. If you were to purchase these selections separately, they'd cost you hundreds of dollars, and many cannot be found anywhere at any price. Well... 
It's time for my boot heels to be wandering. But here's something that'll tell you how you can get this amazing record package. Here's how to order this amazing record package. Just send $3.95 and check your money order plus your name and address to Apple House Box 70K South Bend, Indiana. Once again, that's $3.95 and check your money to Apple House Box 70Program.com. Tom Sumner Program.com This is Jill Stein and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue my conversation with the authors of a new book called San Francisco Values, Common Ground for Getting America Back on Track. They uh, they are Jerry Spieler and Rick Kaplowitz, and they join me by phone. Jerry, Rick, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Oh, thank you. Good. Um, we started talking a little bit about culture in San Francisco, and I think a lot of people are familiar with the reputation of San Francisco for having, you know, great restaurants and, and theater and uh, a number of other things. It's a, it's a destination p- place for a lot of uh, vacationers. Um, but I know some people who live in San Francisco, and while they they clearly love it there and and are immersed in the culture there, what I hear them talk the most about is how expensive it is to live there. What about the economics in San Francisco? I, I mean, it's uh, Silicon Valley is there, so certainly there's there's employment, there's uh, money coming in, and the city has revenue. But um, w- what about the prices of of you know housing, for example? It's very high. It really is. And it there are all kinds of difficulties that continue to come out of it. On one end, we've got people paying very unreasonable amounts uh, for housing, whether it's rent or mortgage for uh, a condo or for a home. Uh, so there's no question that that's high. And we also have uh, homeless and people who people who are unhoused, tend to want to be in warmer weather, and so we get people coming into San Francisco that way as well. We have gentrification going on, and that's really tough on people who've been in a neighborhood for 20 or 25 years where all of a sudden they're not able to afford to live there anymore because prices have gone up. It's unbalanced and it's difficult. Uh, There's no question about that. And we we try to find both regional and city uh, and state ways of approaching it in terms of building more housing and building affordable housing. But it is, that's one of the, the difficulties out here. And, and what about on the plus side? What about the uh, um, diversity of uh, businesses and, and entrepreneurial opportunities? One of the pluses about that is uh, in enjoying other cultures and enjoying other people. And I think that is is one of the things that people really like here, and certainly the business community and the tech community appreciate that. But as Rick, we said earlier that we embrace differences, and by having an immigration, large immigration into the area, we benefit from that. We benefit from the talent that you bring. I mean, look at at Google. Sergey Brin was from Russia. Um, it, we have a lot of immigrants who have come here with their talent and their expertise and done a great job for Silicon Valley. We, and, and that leads the exciting part of the area, which is the growth and development uh, of new enterprises. Uh, uh, computer tech, as you know, we're the center of, of the, the nation and the world. In the computer world, we're in biotech pharma. We have a major 
portion of that as well. And part of the environment, part of the atmosphere is you can come out here and you can try things and you can take a risk. And if you fail, the answer is try it, fail fast, and get up and try it again. And so a lot of the people who are the most uh, dynamic and creative end up out here trying new enterprises. All of the companies that develop out here have support to do that. And that's everything from, from Lyft and Uber to, uh, to Airbnb to Google and Apple and <laughs> Tesla. And, and that's part of the exciting piece of the area. That's what draws the people that raises the rents and so on. Um, but are people able to make uh, a, a good enough living to to keep up with those high property uh, values? The upper uh, echelon, in terms of educated and uh, and dynamic, the engineers, the the designers, are able to make that kind of money. The problems that we have is that the people who are our teachers and our firefighters and our police end up living an hour and a half away from the town that they work in because they may not be able to afford being in that town. And that that's not a good thing for community overall. And that's one of the things we try to address with affordable rents, but it, it, it works unevenly. And, and the uh, again, the book is San Francisco Values, Common Ground for Getting America Back on Track. Um, I, in, in the kind of times that we live in where people are just kind of reluctant to listen to anything other than their own opinion, um, how, do, how do you convince people that we're, that we're off track and, and that there's a better track? I, I don't think we have to convince anyone that we're off track. You know, as we have seen, people don't talk to each other anymore. And unless you agree with me, you're wrong. And that's going on across the country. I think that's one reason Rick and I wanted to, to write this book, because we wanted to you know, help people be able to look at what's going on in the world and say, this is not okay, and we need to talk to each other. You know, It used to be that Democrats and Republicans could come together and find legislation that they would both support. That's not the case anymore, and that's tearing our country apart. Um, and we all suffer from that. You know, the, the joke about the Thanksgiving dinner with the you know, different sides of the political aisle turns into a disaster. We would like to, we would hope that maybe by reading the book, people will recognize that they say, well, you know, that's what we believe as well. Yeah, if it wasn't for football, I don't think a lot of families would survive Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's gotten difficult, uh, and yes, it has. Yeah. Um, but but let's um, let's move on to um, to healthcare a little bit because um, one of the things you talk about in the book is, uh, a, is a, a very different kind of local approach to making sure that people have healthcare. San Francisco uh, started a, a, a healthcare system called Healthy San Francisco, which is universal healthcare for anyone who lived in the city. You know, Mitt Romney is, was the original creator of the Affordable Care Act in Massachusetts, uh, and the Affordable Care Act was designed exactly as, as Mitt Romney's program. So, Well, it started know, that, out getting, that way. Pardon me? It started out that way. And it, it's important for people to be able to be healthy. 
kids don't do well in school if they can't get good treatment for health care. They don't, they don't do well in life. And that's, I think, something we really should look at. What about the children? What do they need? How can we support that? And, and how did that get started there? We have a similar thing in uh, Genesee County where I live in Michigan. And I, uh, I sing their praises a lot, Genesee Health Plan. They also happen to be a sponsor of the show. Um, and, and I say that in the spirit of full disclosure. But they started 20 or 30 years ago um, with this notion that there were a lot of people who didn't qualify either because their jobs didn't provide health care. This was before the Affordable Care Act. And... Um, and, and that people fell through the cracks. And, and it was it was difficult um, here locally because the UAW was such a big presence in those days. And they had these very lush health care programs that had been uh, negotiated into the auto industry. And so you had people that had all this really great health care. And then there was a whole section of the, of the local population that had none. And so the county came up with, if you fall through the cracks and, and your employer doesn't pick up your health care, we will. That's really great. Good for them. They were, they were very forward-thinking, taking care of their citizens. And, and it still exists today. And, uh, um, and, and so I, I'm very interested in, in how San Francisco developed theirs. It, well, it came out of the same same notion of saying, look, there are people who are, as you said, we have a lot of people come out. We have 29 million visitors to San Francisco every year, uh, and the uh, entertainment industry, the hospitality industry, you have people who work who are not working for the big companies. And, uh, you know, uh, Google and Apple have, have wonderful health care plans, but there are a lot of places that don't. And that was the origins of saying, as you did in Michigan, in your county in Michigan at least, uh, what do we do to help these people and make sure that they've got health care as well? And, you know, supplying health care is a lot less expensive than everybody going to the emergency room uh, and having to be taken care of and they can't afford it. Uh, it's also an economic issue in terms of how can we support people without having to run up huge costs and, you know, and, and they can't pay for it. It, it doesn't make any sense. Um, I, 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 I'm really fascinated by uh, the fact that, that you think that uh, America needs to get to know Kamala Harris a little bit and that um, she represents the very San Francisco values that you talk about in the book. Um, can, we, can we talk a little bit about that? Um, why is it that you've become so enamored with uh, Kamala Harris? I think because she really represents the middle class. I don't know if you, as a senator, she created the LIFT Act, Livable Incomes for Families Today for Middle Class. And I think that's one of the things that, because she represents the middle class, you know, we find that valuable and we respect that. And she digs in into problems uh, that exist. She comes at them and says, what can we do about them? She did this both as, as the city attorney in San Francisco and then as, as the state's attorney general, and now she's doing that. She's also a warm, uh, caring woman. Uh, we have, because she's been around our state, uh, you know, publicly for 15 years now or so, 
people have gotten to know her much more personally, have seen her interact with families, have seen her interact with business. She comes out and how do we solve these problems? What can we do together? And and it's with with a with with a sense of humor and uh, we see all the pictures of her smiling because that's how she is and there's a warmth that comes out of her that we think just sort of represents what we want. She's also tough as hell when she needs to be and particularly I think we mentioned before she went after the people who uh, molested kids and uh, were pretty strong on that. How do you think she's going to do against Vice President Pence next week? In the, de- in the debate. I think we may have a debate, first of all. <laughs> yeah. Well, the one that we had this past week was is not really one to model. No, not in the least. I mean, it was painful. Uh, but, you know, we think it reflected who both of those men are pretty pretty well, even though, you know, the, as a debate itself, it was preposterous. But you got to see who each of those two men are. I, uh, we clearly, I think... Would, would, you might guess that we support Biden as compared to Trump, but uh, whichever way you go, you had to look at both of those people and you saw them as they are. I think getting back to the debate, you know, Kamala Harris has shown her prosecut how do you say it? Prosecutorial, prosecutorial <laughs> <laughs> skills uh, and hard questions, as, as Rick said, and so we're we're interested in, in seeing how that plays out next week, that's for sure. And you'll also see her in action, as you have with some of the other judges that have been nominated, when we get to this nomination for the Supreme Court. Uh, she'll be one of the people questioning the candidate. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be pretty sharp questioning. Yeah, she, well, they've been showing clips of uh, her when she was uh, questioning um, Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah. 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 She's strong and and, and clear. Uh, you know where she's where she's coming but okay, this 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 you can just see it ticking off as you watch her when she asks questions. I I wouldn't have wanted to be a defendant in a case she was prosecuting, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I I wouldn't want to be on the other side. Um let me Jerry, let me ask you this. Um were you born and raised in uh, San Francisco, or, or did you come there from somewhere else, as Rick did? I came from Los Angeles, uh, and I went to school in Los Angeles, and I lived on the East Coast for 11 years, and then got recruited to the Bay Area. And uh, so I am a native Californian, and I'm certainly a, a new daughter of the San Francisco Bay Area. New for 25 years. New for 25 <laughs> years, yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I was curious about that. Were you were you born in uh, Los Angeles? Yes. Um, because that, that always seems a little bit unusual. It seems like everybody I talk to in California, and when I lived out there briefly uh, in Los Angeles, or in Los Angeles County anyway, um, everybody seemed to be transplants. Yes, yeah, a yeah. lot of them. Although my generation, a lot of our parents were from someplace else in the world or in the country, but a whole slew of us were born in Los, well, my friend, in Los Angeles. So that's a, a different generation. But you're right. We have a huge immigration of uh, people who come here and, and, and stay. Is it a little different in San Francisco? In Los Angeles? Uh, no, about uh, on this issue of people being transplants. Are there people, uh, is San Francisco made up of people who have 
been there for multiple generations, or are there a lot of people who have come from other places? Some of each. I've had friends and have friends who've been out here for five generations, but I think the majority of people are first or second generation. Yeah, it just seems that San Francisco, unlike uh, Los Angeles, has more people that um, were actually rooted there. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are. Every once in a while, uh, uh, one of my friends will pack up and leave one of the long, gener- multiple generation friends, and they feel torn terribly, but they're saying, I need to be someplace else. But you also have a large group of people from the gold rush. <laughs> the explosive, you know, population of the gold rush, and a lot of people stayed here. So you, you have a you have a mix. Yeah, yeah that's 150 years of history. Yeah. yeah. How did you arrive at the title San Francisco Values? We came at that because it was used so much by the people, but you know, Fox News and company, uh, using it over and over and over again. Uh, one of one of the Typical users was the the the, the question of uh, who said of, about the incumbent Bob McCoy? Oh, Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly uh, <laughs> on Fox, you know, said, you know, Al Qaeda, you stay out of the United States. Now, if you want to go bomb Coy Tower in San Francisco, we don't care. But the rest of the country, you stay out of here. <laughs> oh man, that sounds like now, that sounds like Bill O. Um, and, and and so you know it, it's that the phrase has been used over and over again, and we wanted to say this is a phrase that does have impact for people. We tried to write some from both both perspectives in the country and recognize where there are differences, but um, it just it's the terminology has been such that we had to start with that phrase and then say, well, what is it about San Francisco, and why do we think what we do here can be a model? for some other parts of the country. See, I think I would have been tempted to put uh, the subtitle on top, Common Ground for Getting America Back on Track, and then, you know, maybe something exploring San Francisco values for what they really are or something. Um, And the reason that I say that is I just wonder if, um, if people around the country, you know, see San Francisco and think, well, that's a travel book. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, it was, real estate. We, we had, we had, yeah, we had people thought it was about real estate too. We we did go back and forth on an appropriate title, but we just kept coming back to it because every time we mentioned San Francisco values, everybody said, "Oh yeah, that's it, that's it." I know what you're talking about. I know what people are referring to. It is a, a, a special place. There, there's a, there, I think there are cities like San Francisco in, in other countries. Cape Town in South Africa is the city. When I was in Cape Town before the end of apartheid, the, the, most of the country was extremely se- separated racially. In Cape Town, blacks and whites and gays and straights all went to the same bars at night. That's San Francisco. It's Paris. It's Cape Town. And I think, in all fairness, I think there are a few other cities around the U.S. that that share those values um, mm-hmm. still. Because, as you've said multiple times, they're American values. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are. Yeah. Yes, they are. And it's, it's interesting, you know, I have to look at Michigan. To me, Michigan was always a strong uh, labor state. People came and worked on the lines together. And at the same time, a good friend of mine was tarred and feathered in Michigan in 1971 by the KKK. 
As, and, and you, as late and, as 71, uh, Rick? Yeah, that was Wiley Brownlee, and he was uh, somebody that I had worked with and come to know and appreciate. And uh, as you probably remember, he was on his way home from a school board meeting when he, he there was a, a, a car in front of where he was going and a car pulled in behind him, and they tarred and feathered him. And there were two things going on that they did. The, the public story uh, was that he was trying to get a Martin Luther King Day established three years after Martin Luther King was shot, and he was holding that position and, and trying to get this man recognized. And the other thing that he had done which was really unacceptable to some people, he had actually brought teenage white kids and teenage black kids together to talk to each other and say, what do you have in common, if anything, and what do you have that's different? And it was bringing those kids together that really upset some people. So that's part of the history out there also, and it, it, it reflects the dualities that we have in this country. Yeah, that's true, and and Michigan certainly has our share. Um, in the city of Flint, where I grew up, uh, it was the first city in the country to um, pass an open housing act. Mm. Yeah, and and yet race racism systemically was still rampant. Racism is a problem all over the country. It's a it, it it touches every place, it touches everyone as we walk through life. Well, with again, I would say all the respects, but there aren't a lot. Um, I grew up in Brooklyn where the current president had, had has and had apartment houses, and the, he was actively racist, and they were he and his family were in court about that. And that's a continuing thing, and I think that some of the the issues in the country that had been settling and people have been coming together, he has reawakened and made okay to be public about, and that is so offensive to me. My guests are uh, Jerry Spieler and Rick Kaplowitz, the co-authors uh, of uh, San Francisco Values, Common Ground for Getting America Back on Track. Um, Jerry and Rick, we're just, just about out of time, but I... Um, I, I want to, as I always do with guests, give you an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Obviously, uh, the book is available where all fine books are sold, but um, do you have a website? Our website yeah. is sanfranciscovalues.us. And there's uh, some information, more information about us on that and about the book um, and places we're talking. We, it's, we're in the process of preparing a uh, presentation uh, for a German seminar that's, that's in Central Europe, Eastern, Western Europe, about Silicon Valley and why Silicon Valley has been so successful and led the world. So we're in the process of doing that. Uh, there's a link to that on our events page. So you can find out a lot about us. Uh, on our sanfranciscovalues.us website. Well, Jerry, Rick, thank you uh, so much. It's been a real uh, pleasure talking with both of you. Well, Tom, thank, thank you, so, you much. so much. We we watch Michigan and your range of governors and how they've gone back and forth, so we, we feel close <laughs> to the state. <laughs> we really appreciate <laughs> it. Thanks thank a lot you. for having us. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. That was uh, Jerry Spieler, uh, an investigative journalist and award-winning author. 
and uh, also Rick Kaplowitz, who has served as a senior executive in academia and in technology, um, and he uh, holds a doctorate from Harvard University. The two of them are uh, married and co-authored uh, San Francisco Values, Common Ground for Getting America Back on Track. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and Start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. Is a major factor in dancing like a retard. May cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. The interest of goodwill. The Hoffman Beverage Company feels compelled to make this announcement. It's simply this. All Hoffman flavors have that happy taste, except sarsaparilla. We might as well come right out with it. We haven't quite hit that happy taste.
happy, carefree note in sarsaparilla. Now, please don't misunderstand us. Our Hoffman sarsaparilla is absolutely dependable. It's trustworthy. It's loyal. And many fine, upstanding citizens love it. But it just isn't what we call happy. You take our Hoffman orange. It's absolutely rollicking. Our lemon is almost giggly. Our black cherry and black raspberry are so bubbling with happiness, they dance in the glass. They all have natural flavor and famous Hoffman study sparkle. We're sorry about Hoffman's sarsaparilla. Why isn't it happy? Well, let me ask you, could you be happy if your name This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Couch and watch TV. 
What's the matter? All right, all right. Blanche, Blanche. I'm putting a ribbon in my hair. Where are you going? I'm not going anywhere. I just thought I'd like to look nice this morning. Why? I knew you'd forget. You don't even know what day this is. I do, too. It's rent day. It is not. Today happens to be our wedding anniversary. Well, I knew it was a sad occasion of some kind. What kind of a remark is that? That's supposed to be funny. No, it isn't supposed to be funny, Blanche. I'm just groggy, that's all. I'm sorry. I knew you'd forget. I didn't forget it. So why didn't you say something? Blanche, I just opened my eyes. You forgot it. I tell you, I didn't forget it. But even if I did, you'd remind me of it. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Is that all? No plans? We've been married eight years. Don't you want to do something? No, it's too late to do anything. It's sad about you. How you suffer. I didn't get such a bargain, you know. Okay, okay. There's better fish in the ocean than the one I caught. There's better bait, too. I'm serious. Okay, I'm sorry. You hack away at me in the morning and I'm so exhausted, I don't know what I'm saying. You wouldn't be so exhausted if you went to bed at a reasonable hour. I had to work overtime. Pour me some coffee. Get paid? I'll get paid. What time did you get home? 12.30. If you got home at 12.30, why were you so long getting into bed? I know for a fact you didn't come to bed until almost 2. I was in the kitchen putting the stuff away. What stuff? What's the matter, Blanche? You told me to bring stuff home for the party tonight. You invited a lot of your crumb friends and you told me to bring stuff, so I brought stuff. Did you bring the potatoes for the potato salad? I brought potatoes. Did you pair them? I paired them. All of them? All except one. He had a big knob on top and I couldn't find the mate for him. <laughs> I meant... I know what you meant, Blanche. I even boiled them last night. Where are my pants? Who stole my pants? Nobody stole your pants. I just looked in the wastebasket and they're not there. My shoes are missing from the sink. Don't be silly, John. Your pants are on a hanger in the closet and your shoes are in the shoe rack. How'd they get there? I put them there. Well, I wish you'd quit throwing my things around like that. (laughs) Gotta get them or I'll be late. You won't be late. Here are your pants. Thanks. Blanche, these aren't my pants. They're not? Then whose pants are they? That's a good question, only I should be asking. Don't be so snobby. They were baggy, so I pressed them. Baggy? Took me an hour to find the right crease. Be careful you don't wrinkle them now. What's the difference? I like my pants to look lived in. You're dragging the tops on the floor. Hold your trouser leg with your left hand, then step in with your right foot. Blanche, I've been putting on my own pants for over 40 years, and I don't need you to be the foreman of it. Hand me my pants. 
which one? It doesn't matter. I want to use it for a belt. My suspenders are broken. Why don't you wear your belt? I'm using it to keep the soles from falling off my shoes. John Fitterson, you know you're just... I know it. I know I haven't got a belt. Where's my shirt? Where did you hide my shirt? I didn't hide it anywhere. Well, where is it? I draped it around the canary's cage so he could sleep. Is my shirt the only rag you could find to cover the bird's cage with? Hasn't hurt anything, has it? No, but I don't like the way that bird pokes into my pockets. Every time I take a cigarette out, I'm smoking bird seed. Why do you have to cover the cage anyway? The canary is sensitive to light. Well, get him a pair of sunglasses. Leave my shirt alone. No bird's going to sleep later than I do. Ah, shut up. John, why must you be so mean on our anniversary? Blanche, I'm not mean. I'm worried. Business is bad. My job is hanging by a thread. You never should have quit your other job. You made me quit. You said it wasn't dignified selling bowling balls. You were embarrassed to answer when people asked you what your husband sold. Well, it sounded like it was trying to start a fight. That's no problem for you. I gotta go. Here, and don't forget your samples. I won't forget. This darn vacuum cleaner gets heavier every day. Straighten this hose around my neck, will you, Blanche? There, there. Now, got everything? I think so. No, wait a minute. You got any money? Well, there's 50 cents in the sugar bowl. 50 cents? You can bring me the change when you come home. Now listen, Blanche, something's got to be done about this. I can't go down to work like a pauper every day. A man's got to have a couple dollars in his pocket. Now don't yell at me. I don't mind going with torn clothes and holes in my socks, but I'm not going to suffer through those lunches anymore. What's the matter with your lunches? You ought to know. You pack them for me. I'm just getting sick of carrying my lunch to work in a paper sack. Why can't I go to the restaurant like the other fellas? John, what are you talking about? I haven't fixed your lunch for two years. Oh, Blanche, every morning of my life I find my lunch wrapped in brown paper on the side of the sink. John, that's the garbage. Goodbye, Blanche. Goodbye, dear. Happy anniversary.
Alexander Zanjic, don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 